You didn't say rip it, Dan. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was on I such a good run of yeah, saying it, I know. Too. I was waiting for it. Fuck. Yeah. That's fine. I said it, so someone said it. Uh, yeah, but you weren't even close to getting it right. That's and why you, that's why you can't that you say, didn't it. say it. So I guess it doesn't really count. God damn it. Rip it, Dan. There we go. No, you can't. No, we're good. No, it's too late. No, we're fine. No, it's not. Okay. Do you want to say it? No. I fucked up. I didn't get it in the beginning. Are you tired or what's what's going on? Here? Yeah, I worked out this morning. I'm okay. sleepy. Rip it, Dan. All right. See, I was doing some kind of like reverse. Yeah, like, so I think that counts. Like we'll it was like it. in a vortex yeah. or something. Like if you played this episode backwards, like a Led Zeppelin record, the Rip It Dan would be in the correct place. Okay, so, so that was so the, that's plan the all important along. thing. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Block Party, your favorite podcast about social media and rejection. I don't know why I said hello, everybody. I meant to say hello, friends, idiots, and friends who are also idiots. It's episode sixty-four of Block Party. I am John. I'm Stefan. Yeah, here we are. We're back again. We're doing it. It is Block Party Sweeps Month. We are having only huge guests this month, and we're very pleased to have another huge guest with us today. He is... Uh He's he's an independent man now. He's his own man. He's independent man part two. He is uh, he's back. He's on YouTube. He is afraid of financial ruin, but he is here for us today. Carlos <laughs> Maza is here. Hi, Carlos. Hi, Carlos. Hey, I love that you start off calling me huge. Just making a wait comment right at the beginning of the <laughs> That's what it is. We we be worried about now financial ruin and <laughs> the explosion of my body now that I'm at home all the time. <laughs> Did you like the intro though? Like he's pretty good with the intros, right? It's pretty badass. If if I could, if I had any money, I would pay you to follow me around and do that. Like every house. <laughs> well, it, we'll just see how big you get on YouTube, and then you just give me a call, and I or am. Or you start your own Patreon, where you just like ha- like hack this service of. Giving people intros oh that's a good idea yeah maybe i could get on fiverr but fiverr's too cheap for me but you could on, do cameo maybe ooh, but only do intros but only on do cameo. intros yeah. see now that now we're talking yeah because we do like to talk about cameo we do talk about cameo a lot i i would do it i would follow people around and intro them but because on fiverr now you can charge more than five bucks yes. right that's the option yeah so maybe I think the default price is five but then you can you can like ooh. up it from there so so but what is like uh what's something that go like because i would say i wouldn't take less than a hundred well jesse got us that video for five bucks of the guy oh the guy God. in the shower covering himself in shaving cream and i totally forgot about that yeah. that was horrible but wasn't that he paid more though because he paid oh, like extra to get the guy to wear a sign yes wasn't the so sign i think it was ten dollars i think it was ten dollars yeah yeah, Carlos, one of our friends got us this video and it was just a, what was he like? A, he was an African man. Was he, he from Africa? He I was, feel like he was. was an East Indian gentleman oh, and East he Indian, was, okay. and he, he makes a ton of money doing it, I think. And what yeah. he'll do is he will stand in a shower, cover himself in shaving cream and just basically say whatever you want him to say. I wonder if he does them in in bulk, like in batches. If he like gets thirty of them out in one shower, if he's constantly getting back in there, because that seems like a waste of money and resources to get in and out of the shower every time. I, I feel like I mean, he knows what he's doing, so I feel yeah. like he's doing like yeah, twenty in one. Go. I think he adopts the soup Nazis cameo policy, which is uh, he because he was interviewed. The soup Nazi was interviewed about his cameos, and he said that every morning he wakes up checks his email inbox and then he will just do all the cameos like as he's woken up and then that's his like and then he doesn't look at it again for the rest of the that's day smart so he's like i'll wake up i'll have breakfast i'll do like i'll tw- make like 500 dollars. yeah and i'll then- do like 20 cameos and then i'll go back to bed or yeah. whatever he does yeah. okay here's my idea for a service that maybe only i would subscribe to but <laughs> i would pay good money to just watch i think like 
the five minutes of dead air before and after that person does it, just like the profound loneliness of being with yourself after being on for so long. Like the, it's the equivalent of when someone take is obviously taking a really dramatic picture that their boyfriend is taking of them, like on the streets of New York, not looking at the camera. Like I'm fascinated by everything other than the picture in that scenario. Like what was the combo beforehand? What do they talk about afterwards when they're walking? Like the whole, the dead air around performance capitalism to me is like endlessly fascinating and I would pay good money to learn more about it. That's well, we, actually a good call. That's great. I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit, but the best thing about cameo, like we, we order like funny cameos. A lot of comedians order like ironic, funny cameos. And, and I love those. They can be very funny, but there's like nothing funnier than like a sincere cameo. Yeah. Like you, you cannot order a funny cameo that will ever be as funny as so uh, Terry Bradshaw, uh, former NFL quarterback. He has multiple cameos where he is filming uh, using the wrong camera on his phone. And so he's like filming his wife the entire time and she doesn't know she's being filmed and it's just him talking. And okay, that's fascinating. What is the wife thinking? What must you think that the person you love and have ostensibly committed your life to is sincerely talking to strangers about like whatever's happening? Like some people do like, um, condolences cameos right like oh yeah sorry oh. About your yeah so what would it be to watch a person feign sincerity and like empathy that they don't care like don't mean for five bucks on cameo and then like you have to go sleep with that person like that's, that's <laughs> your husband or wife like how do you bring something about it is very very grim to me well, well he, he was charged, sitting he charges 400 yeah he's pop, for yeah so. five dollars is a oh, little never bit mind. that's <laughs> a little low carlos uh this is now this I'm, is now i'm turned on this no, is I the... wanna, I wanna... <laughs> you're like i'm the guy now well <laughs> and the thing like we we talked about the like one of our favorite ones ever too is there's a there's a Tommy Lee one where he he offers condolences so the first like 20 seconds he's like hey man like i heard your dad passed away and like that's a dance i've done before and it really sucks you know and like but i know you're strong and like Michelle bought this cameo and she said you're really strong and you're going to get through it and man it's tough but uh anyway Happy birthday. Uh, We hope you just have a great birthday, man. You know, rock out to some Motley Crue, get drunk, like get fucked, have a good time, like see ya. But that makes sense to me because Tommy Lee is, again, he's $300 a pop. So you're not going to buy two separate. You're not going to buy a condolences one and then a birthday one. You have to, you have to get like a two for one. You you know, all in there. I just like, and that's what you like goes back to what you say, Carlos. Like, so Tommy Lee is like looking at this cameo message. They wrote that you can only write 250 characters in your cameo message. So he's looking at this cameo message like, huh, how am I going to put these into one cameo? It's only 40 seconds long. Then he does it. And then, yeah, like what happens after? He's just like, well, uh, I guess I'll just go back to watching TV or it's just so weird. You just got to think that there are aliens out there picking up our digital communications and being like, what the fuck is human empathy? Like, how do- what is the species doing to each other? Yeah. I mean, the one that I always think of, uh, and we've played it on, we do cameo bonus episodes on Patreon. We're just, we just watch a bunch of insane cameos. <laughs> and I think maybe the, I think it's the worst one we've ever seen, uh, was disgraced actor, Tom Sizemore. Oh, that's the worst one for sure. Uh, and he's like $175 and someone, and also the video quality is not very yeah, good. It it's looks very like blurry. it was filmed on a Motorola razor. It's very choppy. The room is very dark. Uh, and what it was is, uh, I guess a, fr- uh, a friend of a, a guy who's a big Tom Sizemore fan. Uh, he's like, Hey, my friend, uh, his cancer came back and 
uh, I need you to like record like a nice like video, like, you know, to pump him up or whatever. But what Tom Sizemore does is, uh, he's like, I, you know, I heard, uh, your cancer recurred. Uh, I think that's horrible. Uh, but you know, you're going to come back. Like, just like, I'm going to come back. Like I'm on the comeback trail as well. Like my oh. career. So he like turned it around to be about himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. I love You've it. You've got to think that there's also like an unlimited trove of bad first takes of cameos where like someone gets halfway through and I'm sorry, you have cancer cameo. And then like the dog barks or like the fucking phone goes off and he's like, God damn it. Again, from the beginning, just everything about it is so uncomfortable and formalistic that I just want all the bad takes in an archive that I can watch for free. So I will say, I think you're giving them too much credit because those are generally just, they're all one takes. They're all so they're one takes. Yeah. Parking. Well, saying sorry, you have cancer. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we we figured out that like you the um like it it appears anyway that if you're the if you're the celebrity, so you have this like cameo app that allows you to like record the message. It actually doesn't appear like there's an option to restart it. There's no like editing suite because in the, there because there are yeah because there are multiple cameos where like like one is the one of the ones we watched was from Snooky. Where she goes, it's literally just three seconds long, and she goes, uh, "Hey Alexis, oh shit, that's not your name," and, <laughs> and that's the whole cameo. And but then that got posted to Cameo. So like, what you have to do is you there's and it, it appears that there's no way for like Snooky to go back and redo it. It's like okay, that's gone into the ether. So you have to see this three second Cameo where Snooky fucks up your name, email Cameo and be like, hey, and so Snooky figured this out. So then there's another one we saw that's like six seconds long where she's like, oh, go to, uh, you know, Happy Days Nail Salon. And then she's like, oh, shoot. That's not that's the wrong name of your nail salon. Just get uh, r tell Cameo and get me to do another one <laughs> and then like stops it. And so then I guess like Cameo sends you a promo code or whatever so that you can get it for free the next time, like so that they can make it up. But yeah, it appears from what we can tell anyway that there's no option for Snooki to be like, oh, shit, I got the wrong name. Delete. Do it again. <laughs> That is so insanely high stakes and dramatic because you got to imagine this, there's an act like a failed actor who's looking at a script and being like, I got one shot to nail a cancer slash birthday cameo and I cannot fuck it up. Like the drama before you hit record must be so intense. Yeah. Like, it's oh. incredible TV. Why is this happening privately <laughs> on people's phones? You're right. It really should be a show. Yeah, of, we never of, talked of about just, this before. The candid cameos, like seeing them from the side, from a distance, filming the cameo. Oh, yeah. God. Because you got to feel like shit after. Because it's also fucked up to me that like the, that actually works. Or like that, that, that I mean like that you... You think to yourself like shit, my friend just got re-diagnosed with cancer. What is like the thing I can get them that will help them? And it's like <laughs> a video from Tom Sizemore. I guess I guess it would help them and that it's like, well, I guess I'm doing better than Tom Sizemore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the ultimate condolence card is look at this shit that you don't have to do to yeah. the to do i also love like the a video of the combo between the cameo person and like their spouse as they're making the decision to get on cameo like what is the last fight you have about it before you agree fine we need to do this and then what does it feel like the first time you hit record in front of your significant other just like alone by your something about it's just like so profoundly um just like a, such an intense reminder of your mortality like something about it's like nothing fucking matters just make content for the internet. There's something so brutalistic about it that I, I kind of respect it 
as being a more authentic way to ex- explore the human experience than like anything on YouTube is right now, or certainly anything on TV. It's so real. Like you really get, like you see they're filming it. They're walking around the mall. They're like drunk in a casino. They're in a hotel room, <laughs> knocking out like 20 at once. And so you can just like, you know so much more about the celebrity after you see like one or two sincere cameos from them. like Pauly Shore yeah. cameos. Watch a Pauly Shore cameo, Carlos, if you get the chance. And you will know I, more about Pauly Shore than you ever wanted to know. Uh, I, some, I heard someone say the other day that the reason that like late night is not interesting anymore is because the appeal of late night talk shows is that you, you would like hopefully get to watch your favorite celebrity, like kind of be drunk or reckless or unpolished on TV in this like kind of like unfiltered setting with someone. But now no celebrity is ever as polished as they are on late night. Like you get to see them just fully debasing themselves on their front facing cameras for like 50 bucks. And it's just like the whole idea of like oh they might say something uncouth on johnny carson just feels like a million generations from from the current era yeah like that'll never happen again now like on late night it's like oh i hear you have a story to tell me yeah like i guess the one like my manager told you about before i came on here like yeah well, we'll the whole, like the whole nathan for you where he like distilled it down to like oh i've noticed that like most of the time celebrity stories on late night shows are about one of these five things. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I got into an accident. I accidentally, Oh, someone, didn't, re- yeah, someone yeah. didn't realize I was famous. Like it's all just the same. Yeah. You're totally right. I, and that's what like Stefan and I just wrote an article um, that should be coming out soon. Hopefully uh, where we talked about that, that it kind of feels like the end point of celebrity culture. Like there's just no, like where else could you possibly go from here where you're getting like no, makeup they're in their own home shooting for, uh, with a front facing camera below their chin with no makeup on just like oh uh, yeah with the tvs on in the background yeah. being like hey uh, you know i'm sorry about your mom's club foot uh it's this really sucks yeah it's like the first layer of authenticity is like celebrities are like you they wear pajamas and eat junk food and we're now at the layer that's like celebrities are you pro- are like you profoundly alone on this planet <laughs> <laughs> like basic human connection or warmth in any meaningful way. And it's like, I wish they weren't like me. I wish nobody was like me. I wish I didn't know any of this stuff. Go yeah. back. Go back to the pajamas thing. <laughs> Yeah, go back to like, yeah, you and your pajamas, but they're like $1,000 pajamas and you have makeup on and lights and proper cameras yeah. in your ivory tower of a home. Because that's the other thing too, like, Pardon me, the Tom Sizemore one, like he genuinely looks like he's in a room at a halfway house. He's in like a hospice like, or something. He definitely sure. looks like that's the other thing, too, where you're like, oh, shit, like these people don't even have that much money. Yeah. Did he film this on like so a security camera? Like, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What happened? You're like, do I have more money than these people? <laughs> the, the tagline for Cameo, I don't know what their slogan is, but the tagline should be just like Cameo. We are all so small. Grapple like, <laughs> with your own meaninglessness on the planet, Cameo. Well, and especially because like the boundary for being on Cameo, the the boundaries are so wide. Like you have like legitimately incredibly famous people on Cameo. Yeah. All the way down to like a YouTuber that has 500 subscribers that and their videos are like $2. Like it just is crazy. Yeah. Like Wesley Snipes is on there, you know? Yeah. Like legitimately Snoop Dogg, like, Snoop like Dogg's massive, on massive. Yeah. Ice-T is on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild shit. It's, uh, I just wonder what it is. Is what we're trading with each other, what we're selling, just like the feeling of being seen for like 30 seconds for yes. a short moment on this planet? 
That's something that uh, Stefan and I have noticed too. Like you'll see sometimes like the reviews of the cameos from the people. It's like, you can tell that they feel like now, because I've gotten a video from the celebrity where they say my name and they wish me a happy birthday on my birthday. You can tell that they feel like there's now a kinship or like a friendship with these celebrities. Cause you'll see people will leave like paragraphs of review like oh you know i loved you since i was a kid and this is so cool and they'll be like saying like tommy lee there's like nick he's like oh t-bone like thanks for doing this man like i've loved you so much i listened to motley crew and it helped me through all these dark times and like and it'll be paragraphs and paragraphs and you can tell that this like 30 second video where they established this like very very surface level minor connection with a celebrity they're like oh we're friends now Tommy Lee knows who I am. Yeah. They, that he said my name. He wished me a happy birthday. It is my birthday. We are now friends. Well, there's people who will, who will buy like multiple cameos from celebrities in order to like facilitate a conversation. Yeah. Like they'll buy like a, a oh week, God, a weekly cameo. Yeah. They'll, well, there's no, it's not back and forth really because they're not like the, the celebrities are just kind of like, Oh, it's another one from, from you. Well, how's it going? You know? And like, it's, it's truly mind boggling. Yeah. We saw that with uh, Trisha Paytas or whatever. Paytas. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she had one, we watched one where, yeah, it was legitimately the girl's fifth cameo that she had ordered from Trisha and Trisha would be like, Oh my God, girl, like, Hey, like, and you only have 250 characters. So like clearly this girl, <laughs> Like once a week, like Stefan said, would just be like, yeah, like I had a tough week at work. Like, you know, Jimmy really pissed me off again and I'm kind of sleepy. And and then it'd be like a minute from Trisha being like, oh, girl, like, thank you so much for ordering another cameo. Like, I love you so much. And you're like the best. And I'm sorry to hear about Jimmy. Like, what a fucking asshole. Like, and you're like, holy shit. She's like 150 bucks. And this girl <laughs> is like, oh, it's my fifth cameo. I'm so stupid. Ha 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 really curious because like when i was growing up and in college like media theory and like media studies was always felt so high highbrow like some academic just like expanding upon what late night means for parasocial relationships for like 500 pages like it was just always so thoughtful and i just imagine that like the media theory of the next generation is going to be like it's fucking weird dude i don't have to tell you like it's so basic it's not that smart you pay trish pay 20 bucks and she says hi to you and that's the whole interaction like what theory do you want me to apply? <laughs> what, Chom- what is Chomsky going to say about this? It's just, it's fucking sad and all lonely on a planet. Like, that's it. Yeah. I just want to make the next, um, what there is thoughtful to say about anything anymore. It's just so base. It is. It really is. Nothing. And I love it. I mean, I'm thinking of like our <laughs> podcast that we've definitely done <laughs> easily over a hundred hours of, and I'm like, yeah, we've never said anything important <laughs> or meaningful at all. And people are oh. like, ah, I love this. I listen to it every week. <laughs> are we lowbrow or is there just nothing to say about anything anymore? Like truly, is it just what it is on its face? There's like no hidden meeting in any media or art. See, I thought we were lowbrow, but but maybe it's the second thing, because then that kind of that's a good excuse for us to be lowbrow. That's a great academic statement. Yeah, I thought we were lowbrow, but I actually think it's the second thing. Yeah. <laughs> Before we were recording, I asked if the mustache was a comment on something, because I'm trying to find meaning in fucking anything. But <laughs> it is. And you you like the mustache though? We established that, right? Um, I I like that that you are doing it because you think it looks good. I like that for you. Okay, I, I, you <laughs> yeah. know what? I'm gonna That's take a that. really That's nice a way of saying that Carlos does not. Well, like I, it. look, I'm gonna take this as a win. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as as a yes for the mustache. I think it's I think it's. I'm better. taking yeah. it as a no, okay. and uh, I think I'm right. And I we know your girlfriend hates she it. She hates it. 
She and you, so yeah. we, like we've done this on the show before. We've talked about your mustache, and you say every time Irene hates my mustache, and then like every three months you'll like regrow it. Yeah, because it's it's like a fun activity, you know. To but keep who? Track but of. who is it for? It's for me. Okay, that's it. <laughs> it's definitely for me. We're, we're using the word activity as if this is, this is an active move, but it is truly the opposite of an activity. <laughs> <laughs> growing of hair is the activity that like the maintenance and, and grooming of it yeah like i trim it and i and i put like uh like beard oil in it and stuff and, <laughs> okay. and i comb it so you know i, oh I take care God. of it you put beard oil in yeah that thing? i got keel's beard oil <laughs> oh my God. you spent like 50 bucks on beard oil <laughs> oh, to put in 50 it? bucks <laughs> so now i know why you keep regrowing the mustache because you bought beard oil. beard oil and you're like well what the fuck am i gonna do with this i can't grow a full beard so i'll just put a little mustache on my face yeah so i can just <laughs> i can dip it in a little beard oil i gotta get my money's worth <laughs> that's a cameo's worth of beard oil baby <laughs> like that. uh, dude that's brutal maybe now i'm gonna get a cameo from a celeb telling you to shave your mustache you, uh, you will please do actually i should yeah. who like who's a famous mustached celeb that would be on cameo well we got one we got a cameo from uh we can't spoil it oh but we yeah did get a, cameo a famously from a famous, bearded celeb. that's true i guess yeah, yeah. that's so. true and he i think he would support you because he would oh, be yeah. all about he's you can tell he's all about the beard oil. for sure yeah, yeah. absolutely but we can't spoil we're doing we're recording an all cameo bonus episode on monday with chris Locke. yeah and that'll be coming out sometime this week so yeah we can't reveal what we did but i like it it's one of my favorite cameos yeah it's that very we've done. fun it's very nice yeah sometimes my, go ahead carlos well my reaction when i see a guy with a mustache is usually i just assume that they're the kind of person who is so innately hot that they out of boredom grow a mustache to see if they're still hot with the mustache so there is a kind of like fuck it i don't care element you know like brad pitt would went through a phase where he like dressed really poorly and grew his hair out grossly and was just kind of like he was nasty, but also he was still hot because he was Brad Pitt. There's the kind of like you're you're gonna think I'm, you're gonna be into me despite this mustache vibe that a mustache has that I think is kind of badass in its own right. Yeah, I think that's basically exactly what I did. So <laughs> yeah, is that exactly what you did? Yeah, you're like you're. I'm so hot. I need to see if people will still think I'm hot with this yeah, mustache. I think that's gotta be it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. But because uh, you said Carlos before we recorded that you feel like you feel like it doesn't make a hot person less hot. Like you, you, so you haven't really seen like a hot guy where you're like, okay, that mustache is really bringing him down for me. I, yeah. I've never seen a guy who, who I thought was attractive that I'm like, the mustache is a deal breaker, but I've also never seen a guy who was, I was on the fence about who the mustache pushed me over. It's like, it's never been right. A pro it's been like a shaky half con at best, which is why I always, I, I always ask like, is this, is this like a, a bit you're doing? Is this like a comment on something? Like the, the most brutal question is always like, is this a, like an inadvertent critique of some like capitalism or something that's happened in my head? Because that, that I would really respect and would understand. Or like a critique of the beauty industry or a, a fight more broadly. I guess it kind of is a critique of capitalism because I, I spent like 40 bucks on beard oil and now I have to grow this to my money's worth. 
out yeah. of beard oil. But see, to me, like, I feel like that would be a bit of a turnoff, though. Like, okay, so say you're at a bar and you see, like, a guy you think is hot with a mustache and you're like, hey, so, like, what's the story behind the mustache? And he's like, it's actually anti-capitalist. I feel like I would be like... God, now that I hear it out loud, it's so a turnoff. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's the thing. I'd be like, ah, okay, well... I mean, it would have been better if yeah, if you said like, uh, I don't know, I just didn't feel like shaving. Like, and then you'd be like, oh, je ne sais quoi. Like, I can't tell if it's the uh, critique of capitalism thing or that he started his response with, uh, it's actually that like, <laughs> yeah, both like fully triggered my whole body. <laughs> that would be bad. I, I don't it's know. Just, I'm it's, imagining a guy who would grow a mustache to be anti-capitalist would start the sentence with, uh, it's actually. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Like I, I have almost dated 10,000 of those guys. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's. I mean, at least you would get it out of the way really early on. Maybe a mustache is like an early warning system for me and other potential mates of like, this can go one of two ways and you're going to find out real early on if you like this yeah. person. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. Like, I do feel... I do feel like it kind of like you were talking about Brad Pitt dressing poorly. Like, I do think that that... <clears throat> pardon me. Is kind of the like hipster thing a little bit too where sometimes I see what people wear and I'm like, are you actively trying to look worse? Yeah. Well, and maybe they are, but I'm like, you know, for me, for me, the biggest one was like, it's not so much a trend anymore, but I would say like 10 years ago when the kind of hipster thing was coming up, it was like women who were wearing like just really ugly glasses, like just like giant old glass. And you're like, what, who is this for? Like, you're hot. What is, what are you doing? I mean, I, I, sorry, Carlos, go ahead. It was like a similar concept to how you tell the difference between someone who has who who like just got came into money and someone whose family always had money is like the person who just got money is like trying to buy expensive things to show you that they're rich but the person who truly has like legacy trust fund money will like buy kmart t-shirts because they just truly don't give a fuck about money anymore and it's that it's like when if you were has spent your whole life being insanely hot you're like yeah i just none of my clothes fit i have greasy hair and a mustache but if you've worked your whole life to be an eight. You are not blowing that shit with like a bad haircut or non-fitting clothes. You have to, you've committed to a project at this point. So that's what I feel like it's like. The mustache is like, I have crazy trust fund hotness that you could not possibly imagine. I am lowering my power level out of a kind of deference to the rest of you. That's actually a great point. Yeah. I dated a girl whose dad was insanely rich and this was probably in like 2004, 2005 we dated and he drove a 1990 Nissan Pathfinder and dressed exclusively in Old Navy. Well, think about and that. And would wear, like we'd go out for legitimately nice dinners and I'm like trying to impress her father. So I'm wearing like, you know, really nice, like collared shirt, tie, dress pants, whatever. And he's legitimately wearing like Old Navy jeans and like, like as if to say like, whatever restaurant you're going to take my money. Yeah. So yeah. fuck off. It's like the, uh, the Oakland Raiders owner, Mark Davis. Oh yeah. Who has, uh, Carlos, I don't know if you've seen him. He's got the bowl cut. Uh, oh, wait, a, a non ironic. It's not a comment. On oh, he's no, 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 like no. 70. I'll see if I can, I'll pull it up for you. Uh, so he's, uh, I mean, his dad was super rich as well. So yes. he's, he's grown up like as a billionaire. Uh, he owns the Oakland Raiders. He has, a, a just this horrible bowl cut, uh, and he always, uh, starts every morning by going to PF Chang's. Uh, he drives a, a Dodge caravan. So I don't know if you can see that. Oh, wow. The bangs are insane. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, he does not care at all. Yeah. 
And like, yeah, I, I do. I do guess that is a bit of the like, even despite this haircut and despite everything else. And despite the fact that I'm 70, I could get a 30 year old blonde tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He has like it, what he has is not that far off from what Zuckerberg currently wears that like weird half banged slightly above the midway of the forehead. And Zuckerberg's another one who like dresses in gross clothes because if he wanted to, he could just buy whatever the fuck he wanted to wear. Ins- uh, it's a real, it's its own kind of flex. Yeah. True. To be un- undesirable is a, is a real, it's power that we cannot possibly imagine. True. Although in some ways it would have been pretty badass if like, Zuckerberg showed up, especially to like those Congress trials or whatever, just wearing some like Balenciaga suit, like leopard <laughs> print with like just a giant Berber or uh, Hermes scarf and like Fendi bags and just like all this. Like they were talking about, uh, I was watching the, the Raptors, uh, Serge Ibaka has a fashion show. Oh, the scarf thing. So there was the whole thing with him and OG Ananobi, who's another Raptor, but he was, he was making fun of OG because they were going on a road trip and he had a Louis Vuitton bag and a Fendi bag. And he was like, you can't wear two competing brands at the same time. And I'm like, no, that to me, that's cool as yeah. shit. You're like, yeah, no, I don't, I, I, I can afford all of this. I feel like that'd be sick if Zuckerberg just showed up at Congress and he's got just like a little, just kind of like a little man, one of those little man purses. That's like Louis Vuitton, but then like a giant Fendi bag, but then like a, you know, just every brand you could, he's like, yeah, I'm wearing like $50,000 right now yeah. to court. I think God. maybe he's just worried about like getting the guillotine and his, his way of defending himself from the angry mob is by dressing down. And in that same way, people who have mustaches are afraid of the angry, like unattractive mob <laughs> turning on them at the bar. So they, they're trying to blend in like one of the peasants, <laughs> like the rest of us. It's a yeah. smart mechanism. I guess it's because we don't really have like the monarch. We don't have a monarchy, right? Because like back in the day, kings and queens, like that was their whole thing. They're like, yeah, I live yeah. in the I live in the castle. I'm wearing all the best shit and I'm eating all the best shit because God chose me. And so fuck you. And everyone was just like, yeah, whatever. We can't do anything. God said he needs to be king. So it makes sense. He's wearing a million different things yeah. that are so expensive. But I agree with what you're saying now. When you when there's no monarchy and when essentially the most powerful people have nothing to do with politics, you do kind of have to <laughs> blend in. <laughs> Blend in with the unwashed bang. masses. His weird bangs are protecting the rest of his neck from getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of his neck. Yes. Speaking of uh, getting your head cut off, it's okay. time to move on to our social media updates. Yeah. I'm testing this theory, Carlos, where basically as long as I say anything in that kind of format, it sounds good as a segue. So like that didn't make any sense, but I said it in a voice in, a tone that, in that kind of intro voice yeah. that you enjoyed that, you know, it just it sounds like a segue. Yeah. Yeah. It triggers people's um, response, like mental response to just jump to the next 10 seconds of thought, just like cleanse the palate and get ready for another thing. Yeah, it's yeah exactly. It's the stand up comedy thing where like, I kind of think that as long as you nail down a cadence, it doesn't have to be a specific cadence, but as long as you have a distinct voice and a distinct cadence, you can literally say anything and people will laugh at it. It's just that kind of like da, 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 da. And people yeah. are like, ah, ha, ha, ha. and it's, it's yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's all rhythm, baby. That's it. Uh, Carlos, we always like to start with the guest. What's going on on your social? media okay so i um after i announced that i was going independent on youtube 
there is like this subsection of of political YouTube called BreadTube, which is like a comprised of like leftists um, in terms of politics and also like you know just like general video video essays, pop culture critics who tend to veer um, more to the left. Can I and ask why it's called that. bread tube? Sorry to interrupt. Tube, yeah. There's, why, there's, is it like a socialist, like we can all have bread yeah, or something? It, it's a lot of socialists. Um, and it was sort of formed by necessity out of response to the fact that there is like a, this massive right wing ecosystem on YouTube. And yeah. so bread tube is like the few kind of weird feeder kids who are making videos now, like banding <laughs> together. Um, and so there's a subreddit uh, on, uh, about bread tube. And after I announced I was going independent, um, a couple of people who who like my videos were very um, were saying very nice things about me, like you know, welcome. He's no longer part of corporate media. Welcome to BreadTube. And so for like a day, there were all these like really nice strangers saying nice things about me and and like my videos. And then there was like this backlash of people who were um, like accusing me of being essentially a grifter, like a neoliberal corporate media hack uh, and shill who. Um, is like anti Bernie and and is just trying to like infiltrate BreadTube to make you know to make bank off of Patreon money. Yeah, <laughs> I guess um, the theory is weird and and like on its face, um, the idea of like being not loved on the internet is like not particularly interesting or new. But what is interesting about it is that the ones who were criticizing me were pulling up tweets of mine where I was like very antagonistic towards Bernie Bros and Bernie people from 2016 and 2015 and. I was like revisiting these old, like very in 2016, that was like a very sincere Hillary person. And like, I remember my last memory before like the actual election happened was I went to the gym before the election watch party and, and oh, I was like cringing saying this now, but I was listening to fight song on repeat oh, the no. whole time I was working out, like not ironically <laughs> in my headphones, just for me. And <laughs> So all my tweets from that period were like, you know, can't wait for the first woman president, like Hillary's number one, Bernie bros suck, like whatever. In the four years since then, I had been like so dramatically radicalized that if I encountered 2016 me on Twitter right now, I'd be like, kill this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> this guy gets the bullet, like cannot stand him anymore. And it's not because it's not out of a grift thing. It's like we're just living in a political era where 2016 feels like eight million years ago. And the whole thing of like the internet lives forever. And so your old opinions will come back to haunt you. It's like, it's not even your old opinions. It's like your opinions before the collapse of society <laughs> will come back to haunt you like very shortly after the collapse of society. And it's weird because I can't, I, I'm not, I can't like deny that that was me, you know, like not that four years ago does not really feel that long ago, Yeah, but it is truly like not me, like a different person that I am now. And the internet is kind of like a weird, um, it's humbling. Like I, I'm just aware of a, how much my like deeply held political beliefs are just like contingent, like contingencies based on the current political climate and be like, what a dumbass I am. I truly <laughs> thought I understood how the world worked back then. And now I'm like, this dude loved cops. What was happening in 2016? <laughs> that was like so different than I am now. Um, so it's just been like a very... One reaction to all that stuff could be like, you know, the internet sucks and every, and everyone's being too mean to me and digging my old tweets. The other is, the other is like, humans are tr- like profoundly deeply stupid creatures who don't understand the world. And like how quickly our viewpoints shift based on how much, how close we are to the dumpster fire at any given moment. It's just like been a, uh, it's like, I think it's good for me, but it's been very humbling. Yeah. I think admitting that you're dumb is like the smartest thing you can do. And we, I think every episode we, we openly admit we're like the stupidest motherfuckers alive. Well, you do. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm very stupid, but it's great. I like, yeah. I like being stupid, you know, but I like being stupid for like, like I'm, I definitely would consider myself like a Bernie bro for sure. Right. You yeah. Know? You I'm, bought the Bernie Dodgers I got, I got t-shirt. The Bernie shirt. That's, that's the broingest thing you could do. I'm, oh, Hey, it's a Bernie Sanders shirt, but it's also made to look like a baseball logo. Yeah. It's great. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very mean yeah. to, to Pete Buttigieg on the timeline. Yeah. I want to get on the news. I want to get on CNN for saying something rude to Pete Buttigieg, you know? I can't believe that just happened, but I can't even get mad at it because four years ago I was like, yeah, these Bernie bros are a real problem. And like, this is the thing that we should be talking about. And yeah. I'm like, what, what is happening? <laughs> like, truly the world is getting too hot to breathe in. Yeah. And I was thinking about Bernie bros four years ago. It's just such a, um, it's like a, it's just it's like having someone, a friend follow you around, reminding me of all this dumb shit you said in high school, yeah. but it's just constant and it never, ever stops. Yeah. Well, I do think like that is though, part of the symptom of, pardon me online culture is is this idea that there is no capacity for growth like people just want people want so badly to deliver receipts to you and show you the receipts like they want that aha moment so bad that there's never any conversation about about growth you can't grow it's like well carlos you said that thing in 2015 so you obviously still at least you must partially believe it now and because you said it so you said it so what do you want me to do it's like well that doesn't mean anything like no one actually believes that no one in life would believe that we're incapable of growth but there's this like weird online thing where it's like well if you said it online you must still think it and it doesn't matter how much you tell me you've grown i i saw this i saw your old videos i saw your old tweets so sorry to say but you haven't grown i don't believe you yeah and i think part of it is like of of course we all like shift politically but there's also something i feel like unique about there's no way I could have possibly known four years ago what was coming ahead of us, like the true nature of the world. Like I just had, everything seemed like the world seemed like it made, made relative sense back then. <clears throat> because up until that point, like for the most part, if you were a lay person on Twitter, it did kind of make sense. And it wasn't until like the fire started that you kind of realized that nothing you believed in was true anymore. And it just feels like, you know, beyond the the, the, the truism that we all have our views that change over time, like we are truly in uncharted territory, like as a human species or as like a human race. And it feels like, how can anyone be confident about what they say right now? Like everyone fighting about the primary <clears throat> or about like which candidate is best suited to win in 2020. I have a feeling about it, but the, the feeling I have more than anything else is I have no idea what is happening right now. Like I haven't predicted anything correctly for the past four years and I'm not going to start now. Like I'm <laughs> My overriding political philosophy is, oh, God, I hope this is as bad as it gets for right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm probably wrong about that, too. I mean, the you bring you bring up the predictions like like I was uh, how old? 14 when the Iraq war started. And I was I was like, well, this is like probably a bad idea. Right. I'm just like a very stupid 14 year old. And uh, I was right. And all of the uh, the super well paid, like political pundits uh, who are still talking on TV today uh, were wrong. So. Uh, what does that tell you? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, and I think it's the same thing. It's almost the same thing as like liking people who have now been canceled. Like you talked about, like, you don't know what's coming. Like, you're not going to know that two years down the road, a guy like, like I, I mean, this is a very funny example, but the first year I went to just for laughs, 
uh, you know, that's like a big thing for a comedian. It's the biggest comedy festival in the world. So I'm super excited. And it's great for two reasons. The first reason is that you get to obviously do stand up at the world's largest festival. But then the other thing is that there's so many great comedy shows there all the time. So you get to see all these amazing shows. So of course, like I'm like bragging about being there and being like, Oh, I got to see these great shows. So in one night, and this is like 2015, <laughs> I saw Aziz Ansari and Louis CK in the same night. And I took, <laughs> and I took pictures of it and I posted it on Instagram and I was like, Holy shit. Like getting to see two of my favorite comedians <laughs> for $0 Louis CK in a theater that only holds a hundred people and Aziz Ansari last minute drop in at the festival. Like, and at that time, yeah, of course, people were like holy shit what a fucking night and then now that like block party's gotten popular you know someone like went back through my instagram four years ago and was like oh wow like big great comedians you're a fan of or whatever it's like well i didn't fucking know that like two years after that they were going to be outed as these creeps or like you know so it's like but it's like that same, and i'm sure the person who commented was just making a joke yeah but it's like it's the same kind of thing it's like how could you say that yeah like you said carlos you know you have this one view and you can't predict like all the fucking shit that's going to happen before, especially in the U S like look at every election since like the Clinton era. Like how could anyone know anything about what was going to happen after that? Like it's just been a disaster. Yeah. And it feels like as shit gets more scary, we all crave certainty about the world much more intensely. Like so much of the people screaming at each other about the primary comes from like a real, like very understandable anxiety about like, if we don't win, we're fucking doomed. And like the planet is over. And so that fear is very real, but it's like the two things are not compatible. One is that we're like in this unprecedented, like political hellscape where the stakes are insanely high. And, and, and it, we are truly like on, on the, the edge of the abyss. And the other is like, we're expected to know how to, what the best way to go about handling this is. And like, they both can't be true. It cannot be true that, we are at an unprecedented, like, end-of-the-world type of apocalypse moment, and anyone is supposed to act or talk with any fucking certainty about what we're supposed to do now. Like, I could give you some, my, my commentary on the, on the primary, but my honest answer is I have no idea the best way to beat Trump. How could I possibly know that? And, you know, to what you said earlier about, like, cable news and the Iraq war, if people actually said when they felt that way, I don't know enough to comment on this, like, I would just be guessing if I commented, cable news would just be quiet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Four seven. How the fuck do any of these people have any idea what's going on? Yeah, we have such a, it. We have such a discomfort as as a species with like just sitting quietly with fear and and uncertainty that instead we're just kind of like screaming at each other endlessly about what the correct way to go about this is. And I just kind of wish, I kind of wish that we all, all could just be like, we are all so afraid. Like if we die, we die together. And that's like the one truly unifying thing. I wish we could just go to the bread to people who are mad at me and be like. I was a big Hillary person, and now all I am is scared all the time that please someone come save me. What is happening? Like, should I have kids right now? Yeah. <laughs> more effective way of talking about politics than like, is does Bernie's turnout going to be better than Warren's? I don't fucking know. I hope so, but I have no way of guessing. Yeah, my, I'm an idiot in my apartment. My my mom brought up like having kids with me just like in a conversation, and I was like, well, uh, if I'm being honest, like. I, I don't really want to right now because of how insane everything is. And she's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. I can't blame you. So, you know, if even like, I mean, my parents are, are, are very chill, but like if even parents are like, yeah, uh, yeah, we don't need grandkids. That's fine. You know, I know how fucked up things are out there. Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. But my, my dad doesn't feel the same way. No. <laughs> my dad's like, give me grandkids or give me death. 
the like quiet the like kind of scared nervous quiet after that answer of like i don't know if i should have kids oh okay good point is like so i think difficult to tolerate for anybody like <clears throat> what are you doing in the face of oblivion i don't know i'm kind of freaked out it's such a like a, an unpleasant difficult thing for a human to sit with on their own much less with another person that i feel like kind of a lot of the screaming we're doing at each other right now is just because it feels better than sitting quietly and thinking, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. Which, like, I, I have empathy for it. Like, I can, I'm kind of compassionate for the people screaming about the primary because I'm like, dude, it's a better way of burning your time than just staring at the wall thinking there's truly like nothing I can do about this. Well, yeah, like, we're, we the, we're, we're the only generation that's had to think like should we like and again we don't know either like we're sitting here in 2020 going well it seems like the world's gonna burn up in 2050 so maybe we shouldn't have kids right now because then they're gonna be our age right the, the age we are right now when all that shit's for, going down for giving birth to them you yeah know? Like, and you're like but then who knows maybe like 10 years from now we'll have discovered some way of saving the planet and and all of those discussions will be moot and then i'll be 45 and i won't have kids because <laughs> i'll have been like oh well 10 years ago we kind of thought that the whole world was going to fall into the ocean so i don't know sorry to myself but like it's just so weird that we actually have to like face that And then that's something that's supposed to fall on us. Like I couldn't get mad at one of my friends for having kids. Like, how could you get mad about that? They're like, well, we don't know what's going to happen in the world and we've always wanted to have kids. So we're going to have kids. It's like, well, okay, that makes perfect sense. But then it also makes perfect sense to be like Stefan and say like, well, I kind of don't really feel like I want to have kids with what's going on. (laughs) Like, it's just, yeah. How do you know? It's great. I just want to go get high and play video games. (laughs) Aim. And it's like the, the thing is that the, the scope of the problems we're forced to confront on a daily basis as humans is so like so much bigger than our brain is equipped to handle. Like our brains are designed to be like, is there a lion behind this tree? Do I have enough apples to eat tonight? Like the problems are so small scale and relatively in our control that like climate change or even the like the primary is so wildly beyond what is in our power to have any meaningful impact on that our brain is just left being like, why is this information in here? What am I supposed to do about all of this shit? And it's just like, there isn't a good way for any individual person to respond to a crisis of that magnitude. Like what, what the fuck are you going to do about climate change? You can scream at someone on the internet and it can make you feel like action, but we're all kind of just like drugging ourselves to avoid sitting quietly with the realization that like, whether we're dead in 50 years or we're fine in 50 years, it's got like basically nothing to do with how you answer the question. How do you want to, what do you want to do today? And that's, you know, it's like liberating in some way. Like, it's nice to be able to smoke pot and be like, it's truly not up to me. But there's also something profoundly, like, miserable about that experience. Yeah. Being like, there is really no way for me to be the hero in the story. Like, it's, I'm, it's just, I'm not the one. It's not going to come down to me. And, like, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, essentially a background character in the last chapter of, of Earth. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what do you want to do extra? Like, what do you <laughs> I want to fill your time before the curtain gets called. And I don't don't know if there's a good or bad answer to that question. Yeah. That's a great, great point. My social media update might help uh, with those questions. Okay. Um, So I don't know if you guys heard about this, but uh, presidential candidate, Michael Bloomberg, uh, he's paying influencers and micro influencers 
to say nice things about him online. And uh, a micro-influencer, by the way, is an influencer who is the same height as Michael Bloomberg. Okay. Um, so like your height? Okay. So he's actually shorter <laughs> than me. Uh, but is he? He is. He's like 5'7". Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but, well, wait, uh, but you're five, five. Okay. I'm not, no, I'm five, nine and a half. We've don't, you can't say I'm Listen, five, five. On all the I'm saying is we all saw the picture with Sonny. Yeah. But Sonny's six foot six. I don't know that. All right. Anyway, uh, I took him up, uh, on his offer. So, uh, and this is not for you, John. This is just for me. He's sorry. You took who up on whose offer? Michael Bloomberg. So he's going to he, he paid me $1,500. Well, his team paid me $1,500, uh, to, they provided me with a script. And I'm going to. Well, am I getting some of that no, money? You're not. You're, but you're doing it on our yeah, show. Yeah, but I'm the one doing it. So I'm going to read the script that uh, his team provided me. Mm, okay. That's my social media update. So, so but I'm not. You, you're going to have to give me some of this. Well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, he paid me already, by the way. So he paid me up front, which I'm is great. Shaking with anticipation for this script. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Uh, let me just pull this up. Uh, as mayor of New York, uh, Michael Bloomberg oversaw a controversial program known as Stop and Frisk that disproportionately targeted minorities. Uh, and as CEO of Bloomberg, his company was notorious for its degrading company culture. Uh, for instance, Michael Bloomberg allegedly told one of his employees to get an abortion if she wanted to keep her job. Uh, so this is kind of weird because like this is the script they gave me, right? And I that figured it would sound... be pro Bloomberg. Yeah, but... that sounds very anti Bloomberg so far. So I'm gonna. I'll just. So wait, you're going. sure that he paid you to read this? This is what it says. Okay. Yeah. In a 1990 book titled "The Portable Bloomberg," uh, which is also his nickname, he wrote that if women wanted to be appreciated for their brains, they'd go to the library instead of to Bloomingdale's. Uh, Does he own Bloomingdale's? Is that kind of the whole Bloomberg, I mean, not, Bloomingdale maybe, thing? Yeah, and again, okay. this, is, this is just so strange. That so this, this is, is like an script. ad. So he's like getting an ad for his own thing in his own ad. I guess. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he once fired an employee of the city of New York after he spotted a game of solitaire on his computer screen. Mm. Uh, he is absolutely terrified of dogs. Uh, okay, you know. Okay, so this is the Dan. We're gonna have to edit most of that out because i think so this is there's a section in the script that says uh under no circumstances uh <laughs> mention any of these topics did you not read the whole script before you're so just, I just figuring read that, that part. out now yeah i just read that part but so shouldn't have you like he's paying you fifteen hundred dollars should you not have read the whole script before you well so i'm just okay let me just scroll through all the stuff i'm not supposed to read about him uh okay just a second it's a lot of yeah. scrolling yeah well it's a it's a big pdf so just give me Hmm. Okay, this is not great. No, I know. Right well, just just give me a second. There's like right. 500 pages of this shit. Uh, okay, here's the part I'm Carlos supposed to read. Carlos has other stuff to do. I know. Today, Here, but... Here's the actual part I'm supposed to read out. Okay, uh, he is rich. That's the part you're supposed to say. Yeah, it's it's just the last. You just page. say he is rich. He is rich. Huh? How I rich is he? Does he wear like Old Navy or what? <laughs> yeah, he's Old Navy rich. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, so that's my social media update. I was paid fifteen hundred dollars by the Bloomberg campaign to read that. To just read that he is rich. Yeah. So like, that's the idea of like him becoming presidential. I think that's the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. And again, he paid me up front. So that was on him. Thank you, Michael. Huh? Yeah. Was it cash or Bitcoin or what was the, what was the delivery service for the payment? Uh, yeah, it was PayPal. You just, you just PayPal it to me. Mm. So I got it instantly. It's weird that you can't PayPal cash in a duffel bag. Well, okay. I look. I think you you want. Do you want the seven hundred fifty bucks? Like I'll split it with you. You sound upset that I that I got uh, that I got paid. 
for my uh, well, I mean, for how much we, of an we influence split every, I am. We split everything else. All right, we'll split it. Okay. All but right. Thank you, Mayor Fine. Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg, he is rich. And you heard go. it here first. Uh, okay, great. Uh, my social media update, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter fare. Okay. Uh, so this week uh, we announced, or on our last episode, we announced and we officially posted it on Twitter. We have some new Patreon goals. Yes. So we'll go over those one more time. Uh, so if we get to, so next month we have passed the $6,500 mark. So yeah. I'm going to eat my first Big Mac ever. He's never had a Big Mac before. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Never had a big, never had a Big Mac. So I am. <laughs> it is the time. Yeah. It's like we said, the world could be over. Might as well get a Big Mac. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to film it. Peep this out style. I'm yeah. going to do a review do a of the Big Mac review. in my car um, very obnoxiously. And uh, I will probably want to punch myself in the face while it's happening. But that will be happening next month. Our $8,000 goal is that we're going to revamp the studio. New mics, new chairs, new headphones, new soundboard, everything. We appreciate all the money that you guys have donated to the show. It only makes sense that we would use it to improve the show and make it even better for you. And you are going to be an obnoxious YouTube tech reviewer. And I'll review and you're all the, review tech, stuff all the tech stuff, yeah. even though you know nothing about of it. Of course, yeah. So that's going to be great. Our $10,000 goal, uh, our producer Daniel right here has agreed to do a, uh, a, a queer eye for the straight guy makeover. So we are going to get uh, a few of our uh, a few of our gay friends to help Dan out because uh, he looks like shit and uh, he needs a lot of help. So uh, he is beyond. Uh, we don't know if it's ironic, Carlos. We don't know what he's. It's just not good. So. Exactly. Yes, so yeah. we are going to we're going to fix him up. And then when we were doing that, we again, we this is a goal we set a long time ago, but it kind of sparked again. I think some people had maybe forgot about it. But once we get to one million dollars a month, <laughs> uh, Stefan will get circumcised. Yeah. So, yeah, Stefan is uncircumcised and he will do it. And so I posted about this. Uh, so I we had tweeted about it on the block party account and then I quote tweeted it and I said, Every day I wake up and I pray that a rich benefactor gives us a one-time payment of $1 million so that you would get circumcised. Yeah. And I even wrote, I was like, I would love to be sitting on a beach somewhere, sipping a pina colada and thinking to myself, damn, I got $500,000 because my buddy got circumcised <laughs> as an adult. Uh, so I tweeted this uh, about the rich benefactor and your girlfriend retweeted it. Yeah. And faved it. And faved it, which oh. suggests to me that... She wants it. No, so I think she, I think she wants the the five hundred thousand dollars. So you don't think that she secretly hates your foreskin? No, she openly hates it. But I think <laughs> I think we I think we need to look at the money here. I think right. it's a it's a so you think it's situation. a money thing. I think it's, I think you think it's, it's like money. she wants yeah. that that Fendi Louis Vuitton. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll do the two bag thing. Yeah. yeah, she wants the two bag money. Yes. Yeah. So you don't think it has anything to do with your penis. Oh, I think it definitely does. Okay. Yeah. But I so think you think that if you got circumcised that she would be more into it? I mean, possibly, but I feel like also, I, I don't, th I don't know about like an adult circumcision. I'm a little like, hmm. like, I feel like I, I scar very easily, you know? Yeah. So I feel like it would just be like a mess down there. Right. I it's, mean, even more than it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's a million dollars. Yeah. Well, it's $500,000. Yeah. And that's nice. I mean, I will say, I'll go on record. If we, if you do, if we get a million dollars and you do it, you'll I'll, let I'll me let have you, the, I'll let you have 60%. Okay. <laughs> 60%. Yeah. 
That it will. It, I you can get paid the same amount. How about seventy thirty? No, you. I think it's only fair. Here's my rationale for going sixty forty. You will get the same amount of money as you lose off of your dick percentage wise. You think my dick is forty percent foreskin? <laughs> no, I think your dick is sixty percent foreskin. Oh well. <laughs> all right, moving on. I'm point out that the, the two things I know about your girlfriend so far, she's not a fan of the mustache and not a fan of the foreskin, which means that the over, overwhelming fact about your girlfriend is that she wants slightly less of you. <laughs> I thought the mustache would cancel out the foreskin. Maybe. In what world would those things cancel? <laughs> it would like distract from the foreskin, I guess, maybe. Because yeah. this is sort of like she's this like, is sort of oh. like the foreskin of the face, right? Or the mustache, in a way. Yeah. That was Chomsky said that. Yeah. <laughs> In what way is it the foreskin of the face? Well, because I mean, I could get it removed. <laughs> you just and have to shave it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm. I think I okay, nailed it. Well, Carlos, does your does your theory about mustaches also hold true for circumcised penises? That it's not going to make a guy hotter. <laughs> <laughs> What if my mom listens to this? <laughs> what if, Carlos? What? That's the question we grapple with every day. I mean, day. my mom will listen yeah, to this. Stefan's mom will absolutely listen to this. I think I think it depends on... Um, I, I think in both cases, uh, it depends on the, the swagger and confidence of the wielder. Right. Okay. They're, they're not good or bad in a vacuum. It is um, how much you love that you have it. That changes how it appears. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, pardon me if this is too too much, and you could feel free not to answer this. But how do you know that a man is confident about his foreskin? I mean, I'm uh, confident about it because when you approach him at a bar, he he tells you it's actually a critique of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I can't argue with that. Yeah. So, okay, well, we'll see what happens, man. I, I, I honestly think there's a chance that someone will just give us a million. Okay. I will say, too, just to, one more point before we move on to our block tail. A friend of mine did say on Twitter, he, re, he replied to my tweet and said he did get circumcised as an adult. I'm guessing it, sometimes it's because you... It's like, like medical things. Yeah, it's a yeah. medical reason that you have to do it. And he said that if he had to go back and do it again, he would not do it for $500,000. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Oh. Well, <laughs> And I said, well, this sounds like we're going to have to have you on the podcast to discuss it. And 100%. He, <laughs> can we call him now? <laughs> he said the memories are too painful to discuss. Oh, Okay, well... He won't even yeah, I, talk about it with us. Oh. So... <laughs> fuck. Someone give us a fucking million! <laughs> Can we up the goal? I just want to be like, dude, could I... Could you imagine... Like, I am so squeamish and so grossed out by everything. I hate it all. I will be in the operating room for this. I will, scru I will scrub up. I am going to watch my good buddy, Stefan... Get well, half we'll, of his we'll, dick we'll chopped do, we'll off. We'll do a video episode, obviously. <laughs> we would have to. We'd have no choice. The first thing he sees when he comes out of the anesthesia <laughs> is your face, like nose touching nose. <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that I've got made just for the occasion. Yeah. Oh, and your mustache when he wakes up. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, what I would probably do is I would do, because uh, we were talking about cameo, we got Pauly Shore to do an anti circumcision PSA uh, for a group that does actually exist called the Bloodstained Men. Mm -hmm. And what they do oh. when they protest is they dress all in white and then they paint their crotches red. That's oh, what I would wear. Yeah. So you would come to, respect, and I would yeah. be wearing all white with blood, with a blood stain on yeah. my. I pants. appreciate that. 
but yeah i mean <laughs> I, would, I would love to help you out stefan but i'm already circumcised yeah, so, so there's just no option no. it's just it is what it is stefan you're gonna have to brave it yourself i could maybe so when they circumcise me they could graft my foreskin onto you we could switch dicks Ooh, maybe that's oh, a two yeah. million dollar goal yeah the two million dollar goal is stefan and john switch dicks yeah and that way you'd never be alone there'd always be a little part of stefan with you <laughs> It's not that little. <laughs> it is exactly it's 60% of his whole dick. <laughs> All right, let's move on from there into our block tale. What did you tweet? You brought receipts. Block tale. Woo. No longer can see the post. It's a block tale. Woo. You probably deserved it. It's a block tale. Oh. All right, Carlos, uh, you got a good one for us. I'm excited about this one. Uh, tell us about your block tale. Okay, so uh, like a couple of months ago, I would say like the middle of last year, I was in the center of some like political controversy with YouTube. They got a bunch of um, like right wing activists on Twitter, like brigading me. And so there was like a, a several month period where like <laughs> I was just like constantly blocking um, trolls and bad actors and like big accounts, small accounts, anyone who like just came across me just out of, I was, I refer to it as like tending to my digital garden. Just like the minute you see a weed, rip that shit out. So I was blocking <laughs> left and right. Uh, and one of the people I blocked was this dude who goes by um, comfortably smug on Twitter. Yes. Who I like, I don't even remember blocking him, but I, I learned after that I had, and he's like this Republican operative um, who is notorious for spreading like full on conspiracy theories um during hurricane sandy it was hurricane like, sandy i think yeah because that's yeah. when he blocked me i told him to go fuck himself and he blocked yeah, me he for was that tweeting like um the city is shut down cuomo's on lockdown like mta shutting down services for just for no reason just like creating panic during um hurricane sandy so i didn't know who this dude was and i assumed that i had just like blocked him in the wave of assholes that i was blocking but i like did not know he existed then a couple weeks ago someone tweets me and lets me know that this dude is putting together a liberal hack tournament where he has compiled like I think 64 liberal hack Twitter accounts and is trying to get his supporters to vote for who they who they think is the most hacky of the tournament. And I am one of them. And my reaction to this, I, I mean ostensibly he's doing this to like make liberals upset. But yeah. my reaction is I could really use a fucking win in my life right now. It's like <laughs> No one else is taking this seriously. I'm about to win this whole thing. So I uh, I immediately go to his Twitter account uh, and quote retweet the tweet about it and say, vote for me, you cowards, <laughs> urging everyone who follows me to vote for me on, in these Twitter polls that like decide who wins the round. And my first round is up against um, this uh, progressive author who used to write for Think Progress, but now is on his own called Judd um, Legum, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, so I say... Tweet, you know, vote for me. I've never wanted anything so badly in my entire life. And I win the first round, like, very, very handily. <laughs> like, 80% of the votes go to me. I have, um, like, 140,000 Twitter followers, which is um, a decent amount, but it's a huge amount when you're trying to fuck with a, a, an idiot Twitter poll yeah. contest on Twitter. <laughs> so I win that round, and uh, I'm really pumped about it. And I'm saying I've never wanted anything so badly in my entire life, which is, like, half ironic, but also... <laughs> Half true. Like I, I do like winning things and winning a contest. I did not know I was competing in. It would be like a huge deal for me. Um, so the next, I see that the next person I'm paired up against in the tournament in the like, I guess octafinals or double octafinals 
is fucking Brian Stalter, who is the host of CNN's Reliable Sources and is, um, like me, a, cr- a media critic, though uh, unlike me, is not good at his job. <laughs> I, I truly dislike the way this guy does, like, I think the most CNN-y version of media criticism, which is just like, people on the internet are, internet are mean, do we have Trump derangement syndrome, just like the most fucking milk toast, yeah. not good media criticism stuff. So when I see that I'm paired up against him, this goes from like a half joke to being like truly my only calling in life. Like at this point, <laughs> I definitely know that I'm prepared to go. I'm getting ready to announce that I'm going independent on YouTube. And I'm like, fuck that. That is not nearly as important. All I care about is winning this tournament to the point where I'm tweeting, like, please, God, <laughs> you better not let me lose to Brian Stelter. Like I've been training my whole life for this moment. <laughs> let me win. And I guess he, because he's blocked, because I blocked him, he can't see any of this stuff. But someone must have told him, like, hey, the reason Carlos won his first round is because he's actively campaigning in your troll contest, and he's doing it again. So this dude blocks me, <laughs> even though I'm still in the tournament. This feels very unfair. Like, the tournament uh, organizer is tilting the scales against me, but he blocks me so that I can no longer tweet to my supporters, please let me win. I'm, trying- I'm agreeing with the conceit of his tournament, which is that I am a fucking liberal hack. But I want to be the, like, the crown-wearing liberal hack. So I can no longer direct my Twitter followers to vote for me. And then what will be, for the rest of my life, the worst day of my life, I got blown the fuck out by Brian Stelter in the double octafinals of this liberal hack tournament. And now this guy has blocked me. I, I have truly failed in ways that I did not expect that I would. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know what to do now. Like, I have an idiot YouTube account... I guess there's still stuff to be saying that's important on the internet, but for the rest of my life, anyone who wants to dunk on me will say, you lost to Brian fucking Stelter in a liberal hack-off. <laughs> it's over. At this point, I'm just like planting, uh, I'm growing speculants in my apartment and like waiting for death. Because <laughs> my main goal, which is like dethroning the king that I've been training forever to defeat, is over. And so that's my, my block story. What started off as me blocking this guy turned into me wanting more than anything to be this guy's number one. And then <laughs> because I was, I was rigging the tournament in my favor. Well, it's like the, uh, it's like the Iowa caucus. Like you were about to win and then he comes in and changes the rule at the last second. He's the you fucking know? DNC. Yeah. All I wanted was a grassroots swelling <laughs> of socialists and gay people to <laughs> put me into number one. And he, he wouldn't allow the people to sing. He wouldn't let the people rise up and, and uh, crown me as the true, um, number one liberal hack on Twitter. It's well, it's so great. Like, it's exactly what those types of people hate, though. Is you like embracing it and like going along I with know. the bit, and it, it just pisses them off so bad. Like we have a friend of uh, of ours, Chris James, who has a, a YouTube show where he prank calls conservative radio hosts called Not Even a Show, and. Uh, what 90% of the radio hosts he calls have not figured out is that if you just like go along with his bit, it like completely disarms him. Yeah. And they just it, get pissed off and they just they, they just keep giving him this free content. But if you're just like, that's right, Chris, like I, I am I am a moron or whatever, then then he doesn't have anything. You yeah, know? that's he always says the bubble the love sponge is really hard to get for that reason, because you can call him. You'd be like, hey, Hulk Hogan fucked your wife. And he's like, yep. Yeah, it was cool, man. Like, whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, OK, well, that's not interesting content. So the whole premise of like right wing reactionary Internet, which is which is like trigger the libs or whatever, kind of falls apart. If as a liberal, you just 
confess that like you're already dead on the inside and nothing matters to you anymore and that you you hate yourself more than anyone could possibly hate you if you're just, <laughs> you're just like i don't like myself yeah. so you call me whatever you want the whole trigger thing falls apart i can't be triggered what you say about me on the internet it's not nearly as bad as what my poor fucking therapist has to hear every single week from me in a Skype call. And so, yeah, liberal hack thing is like a huge upgrade for me. If all I am this week is the king liberal hack, like it's been a good week for me in terms yeah. of like self-esteem and self-love. Yeah. And even as like a, as like a sports fan, I'm a fan of uh, the Vancouver Canucks uh, and they're just a very pathetic team. They've been around for 50 years. They've never won anything. Uh, our city has rioted multiple times when they've lost. Uh, and what I figured out a couple years ago is that if you just like embrace that as like, as, as your brand is like, yeah, I'm, I'm like a loser hockey fan and like, yeah, our fans burn down the city. Like the thing, the thing that worked for me was you would go online, you'd, you'd be joking about hockey or whatever. Someone would be like, Oh, why don't you go burn down your city again? And, and then the thing I found that disarms people so well is like, well, I guess we care about our team enough to burn down the city. I guess you don't, huh? So, and it yeah. works, you know, you just roll the punches and there's nothing they can do. Commit to the worst description of you yeah. and it all kind of falls apart. But that also feels like why getting blocked and losing is so painful because I tried to commit to being a loser and I failed. This game. <laughs> like I've truly, all I am now is just fucking medi- a mediocre liberal hack on Twitter. And so are there, like we all are. Come on. There's no, there's no glory in that. And mm. being not as hacky as Brian Stelter. No one's as hacky. That sucks. <laughs> I'm just up to everyone else. Who won the the tournament? Do you know? Is it still going or ongoing right okay. now? Yeah, it's like separated into brackets. There's like um, two online liberal hacks, which is what I was. There's like establishment media liberal hacks. There's like activist liberal hacks. So they're right now all the different sectors of liberal hacks are fighting it out to see who will be the, the number one true king. Right. Um, but it won't be me. And so I've I've stopped following it now. Now we're now we're genuinely not speaking to each other. Um, <laughs> Or before it was like the start. I felt like it was the start of something really beautiful between us. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm sorry, Carlos. <clears throat> Here's a reason for you to hate this guy. He just tweeted this 43 minutes ago. If you're drinking iced coffee today, you're a psychopath. If okay. you drink iced coffee any day, you're a psychopath. Okay. Drink your coffee hot. All right. I have like three iced coffees a day, no matter how cold it is outside. So I'm. So you really hate I'm this guy. I'm glad this guy blocked me. Oh, my God. He's the worst dude, but I still wanted his, his fucking shitty town. He made <laughs> really bad graphics like he tried to make a bracket for it but the bracket was so insanely big that the image resolution got all distorted so no one could really read the names of who was on the bracket just like the best shit on the internet that's like, so good you have to really respect that he like did all this announcement of the tournament and half the replies were like dude the image is distorted no one can see what the fuck is happening on this like it's just great everything about it is so beautifully twittery so maybe you could just claim a win by saying like the the name at the end oh. is you because they can't read it that's the real Iowa thing. It's just wait till the end and be like, go give us public speech on CNN. It's yeah. like, I'm so glad for all my supporters putting me in number one. Just say you won. Like, no one's going to say anything. That's what we've learned. I'm, I'm, tr- this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find this guy's, <clears throat> pardon me. I'm trying to find his tournament. Uh, and this, he tweets so much. I, I have reloaded his page eight times or like I've made it to the bottom where it has to reload the tweets eight times and I am still not past the 24 hour mark. <laughs> yeah, this, he's, he's too online, but this specific version of it, I'm looking at the, the, um, the bracket right now. And it is truly like, uh, people, it's just for people who this matters to nobody except people who spend way too much time on the internet. So it's like, yeah, Chris Cuomo from CNN versus Michael Barbaro from the New York Times. Like, who gives a shit about this <laughs> except for this dude and me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, okay, I'll give you guys a guess. 
<clears throat> Comfortably Smug said that there's only one Democratic candidate he likes. You guys want to take a guess at which so one you think it is, is? Is it a real person or did you, did you no, do No, it's a, a real person. It's one of the people that's like in the race still. Okay. Is it Klobuchar? Is it Yang? It's Yang. Mm. Oh, fucking Yang. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. right? This guy, he yeah, thinks he's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also found about, I found his thing about Hurricane Sandy and uh, he said that he credits Adderall with his skill at writing so many provocative <laughs> comments. Super cool, just a regular thing to say. Well, I'm just really good at being provocative because I'm high on Adderall. Is there, is there anything worse than a person who describes themselves as provocative? Yeah. It's the saddest shit on the internet. It is. It's, a, it's, the, it's the anti-capitalist mustache of right-wing Twitter. Uh, we have... <laughs> We've got a great listener block this week, and this fits in with your uh, with your ethos, Carlos, because this is uh, a person who actually says that he blocked himself from YouTube fame. So this okay. is a so this comes in from our friend Jacob, and he wrote, uh, "Hey, blockheads," which is first of all incorrect. Blockheads are the fans of our show. We are the blocked boys. So please get that correct. Uh, one day when I was in middle school, my dad came home with a new webcam, an impressive piece of technology to twelve-year-old me. Looking back, I'm surprised my dad was comfortable bringing an internet-connected camera into our home, as he's normally a very cautious individual. For example, he once made me go to the grocery store with him, was completely silent the entire way there, and then. And finally, when we were in the store, he stopped, looked me directly in the eye and asked very seriously, are you and your friends huffing keyboard cleaner? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> caution was thrown to the wind and he handed me the webcam to set up and use. I was excited because this was in the very early days of YouTube. And up until then, I didn't have a way to upload a video to a computer. I wanted to post something very badly, but the only thing I could think to do was eat one of the creamsicles we had in our freezer in front of the camera, which is what I did. I then used Windows Movie Maker to add a sepia tone, set the video to two times speed and added a stock jazz background track. My masterpiece complete. I uploaded it to YouTube, titled it Eating an Orange Creamsicle and forgot about it. Pardon me. That is until a week or two later when I was walking across the quad of my middle school and a random kid who I had never seen or interacted with before called out to me and said, hey, it's the creamsicle kid. I love your video, man. This sent a shock through my chubby 12 year old body. I all of a sudden felt very exposed and self-conscious, but I shook it off as an odd coincidence that a kid at my school had seen my video. Then a day or two later at church youth group event uh, at a church youth group event, a girl I had a crush on who went to a different school came up to me and said, I saw your creamsicle video. It it was so funny. <laughs> I should have been happy my crush noticed me, but instead I went into full panic mode. It had suddenly dawned on me why a video of a chubby boy scarfing down a creamsicle at two times speed set to jazz music <laughs> might be funny to some people. <laughs> I was also concerned that because random people were watching the video and recognizing me in person, it would somehow lead to me getting molested. Oh my God. <laughs> as soon as I got home, I pulled up the video on YouTube and sure enough, it had racked up nearly 10,000 views in just a few weeks. <laughs> Seeing that number scared the shit out of me and I immediately deleted the video effectively blocking myself from viral YouTube fame. I have since looked for a copy of the video on my parents' old desktop, but it's nowhere to be found. It's just as well. I think I made the right decision in deleting it. A self-conscious kid from Southern California that wore a sweater to school every day, regardless of how hot it was to hide his boobs, had no business going viral. Thank you for the show. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Aww, Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> That's so cute. Hey, yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, two things. One, I was totally that kid in Miami, Florida, wearing a sweater, 95 degree heat to cover my man boobs so <laughs> I really respect that that the illusion fantasy game and two there's like a whole real ecosystem on youtube right now people who just eat food quietly on camera 
like, like the mugback thing. That guy is yeah. not just a viral star. He's a visionary. Yeah, he was ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. Yeah, because he said he was 12. So I'm guessing like judging by his picture, he's at minimum in his 20s. So yeah. we're talking this is over 10 years ago. So Jacob, wow. you're a visionary and we here at Block Party respect you. Thank you for sending that in. If you would like to send in a block, you can do so at blocked at blockparty.com and we may read it on the show. Uh, this month is, uh, as we said, it's a big sweeps month. We've got a lot going on. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash blocked party to check that all out. As we said, we're recording an all cameo bonus episode with Chris Locke on Monday. That's going to come out this week. We've already ordered a couple cameos for it that are great. We think you're going to love it. Uh, we've got our Funko Pop Challenge video is coming out later this month as well. We're going to be recording that next weekend. I've got, uh, I think we've got over 25 right now. So <laughs> we're going to open those all up on video for you guys. Uh, and it's going to be great. Uh, we've got a few newsletters coming out this month. And uh, we also have a trivia party number two coming out. My friend Meg Walls uh, is going to come over, be our quiz master. Uh, a lot of you loved trivia party number one that we recorded with uh, Michael Hale uh, at Dogboner on Twitter from your Kickstarter sucks. And uh, we're, we, we know people loved it so much. We want to give you a little taste of it. So we're going to play a clip from trivia party right now so you can hear what it's all about. Who has been inducted into the U.S. Hockey, World Figure Skating, and National Inventors Halls of Fame? Now, do we have to we have to have their name? I guess. Ooh. Yep. But if you now, if you know what it do we is, have to have the, the name is easy. <clears throat> do we have to have the full name? <laughs> Just the last name. That's the important bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. All right. Do I get bonus points because I do know his first name? Do you actually? Yeah. I'm trying to think of who it could be. Is it someone really obvious? Yeah. Oh, I, I think. I think obvious, yeah. I'm going to be mad that I didn't get this probably. Do I know the do I know the person's name? Yeah. Fuck. God. You damn. definitely know it. I'm okay. Well, Mike maybe not, but you definitely should. Well, don't be so sure, John. Yeah, you're okay. right. Well, it's only it's only because you you guys aren't a big hockey country. So that's the only hockey, reason. Can, so the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Figure Skating Hall of Fame, and the inventor, the U.S. inventors. Or I just, think so. Yeah. Okay. U.S. national. Okay. Who is the guy who was kind of like balding, and he was like very th- he was like very thin, and he was skating around? Who was that guy? Uh, Professor X. <laughs> well, that was before his accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know how he ended up in the chair. Tragic. Oh, he was checked from behind in, <laughs> yeah. a, in an NHL game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Eddie, he was drained into the boards oh by Claude Lemieux. Eddie Short of Liberties. <laughs> uh, okay, well, it's only two points. I, <clears throat> I guessed it's not a name, but okay. I'm gonna. I guess the inventor of the ice skate. No, it's uh, Zamboni, I believe. Oh, Frank Zamboni. That was my second guess. I was like, is it could it be the Zamboni as well? But I didn't think Zamboni was. I yeah. Mike, okay. what was your guess? Yeah. Um <laughs> So I said what you guys said, I think, but I just my pen ran out of ink, so I didn't get but I wrote what I wrote down was Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> Wang. Wang Gretzky. Wang Gretzky. For eight points. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he is a great guy. <laughs> that might be half a point. Meg, was I right? You were right, John. Thank yeah. you. Damn. Yeah. 
Frank Zamboni. Okay, so you've heard that clip. We're going to be doing another trivia party this month, uh, and it's going to be with Michael Hales, your Kickstarter sucks partner, Jesse Farrar, who heard Michael on the program and was so astonished at the bad name that he had given to YKS that Jesse wants to come on the show and defend YKS's yes. honor. So make sure you donate at patreon.com slash block party for all of that good stuff. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at blocked party pod, and uh, you can rate and review the show on iTunes. And if you like the show, just tell your friends. All right, we're here at the very end. Carlos, we always like to finish the show with a top three. What top three do you have for us, please? Okay, this might make you all uncomfortable, but I, I just want to commit to the bit and say top three songs that you'd have to lip sync to if you were a drag queen performing on stage. Assume you're good at it. Assume you got costumes and assume you got whatever stage pyrotechnics you need to, to pull it off. What would your three be? Ooh. Okay, do you want to start? Give us your number three. Yeah. So my first is like very, my number three is very on the nose, but I've been listening to a shit ton of Rage Against the Machine lately. Lately, So I think my number three would be Gorilla Radio. And I would just have my friends dress up as like cable news pundits. And over the course of me singing, I would just beat the shit out of them while also being like very dramatic and sexy. Um, and I think it would be like a riotous good time. Not, not pretty um, lip syncing, just like... Hmm rage ex- exuding uh oh, i like that that's good yeah mm. i'm gonna go with um, Dang, this is a this is this tough. is this is tough I, yeah. I have to admit i have never gotten into the mindset of a drag queen, i'm thinking so from I've like a, a karaoke mm. point of view which i think also sort of works yeah but i would say hollow notes man eater oh I, I think that's a Ooh. solid choice and that's know? sexual yeah like you want people to know yeah. like hey i'm i'm ready yeah so i yeah. think uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go with man eater for my number three Great. okay I am, I'm again, I think that this is pretty on the nose. This is, this might be one of the most performed songs by drag queens of all time, but yeah. it just seems like a no brainer uh, survivor by destiny's child. Wow. Right. Great. answer. I mean, you just have to, you got to get into the mindset. I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. Yep. I'm obviously going to be wearing camo because they wear camo sure. in the survivor video and on the album cover or on the single cover, I should say. And uh, my performance will uh, sticking with the army theme uh, guns, a lot of guns, yep. uh, just, Great. just fake, but we're just, you know, I've got like, obviously the bullet belts, uh, strapped around my chest. I've got huge guns and I just go, and then a lot of noise pyrotechnics in the background. Shit gets real. Wow. I love that. I love the, like the vision you have for it <laughs> Thank you. in a good drag number, not just so that you have face, but you have like a storyline to what's going on. Thank you. Number two. Oh, okay. number two is uh, all these things that I've done by the killers because off, like real, real small, like just that one piano key over and over again. So like kind of gets the whole crowd quiet, but near the mid to end of that song, you got full gospel choir coming out with you and everyone's just losing their fucking minds. So I feel like it's the kind of drag number that you get a chance to really be a diva. And by the end of it, it's like a full church service that you're giving, which gets everyone um save you a shit ton of money. So that, that'd be my number two. Oh yeah. Money's good. Okay. My number two, I'm going to go with some Canadian content. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I heard this the other day on the radio, some 41 fat lip. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And I'm just going to, it'll be sort of like very DIY. Like I'll be dressed like a, like a 20 year old, like Ontario punk rocker. You know what I mean? Smart. Yeah. And just kind of do it right. up like that. Lots of skateboards. And, uh, I think Dan can sort of help us out with that probably. Um, but yeah, you know, I got, I got to get some can con in there. So mm, well, some 41. I, you're, we're, we're, we're sharing a brain yeah. here. Cause my thought was, I also have to go with some can con. And again, 
I promise my number one choice will not be super on the nose, but number two, I mean, again, I feel like this is so on the nose. It's probably been performed by a million drag queens before me. I'm not doing anything unique, but again, Canadian content, we're Canadian boys. I got to go, man, I feel like a woman, Shania Twain. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? You have to. You have no choice. And I also, we do a show here in Vancouver called Weird Al Karaoke, where comedians sing parody songs a la Weird Al. And I did uh, Man, I Feel Like a Woman, but it was Man, I Saw Little Women. And the whole song was about going to see little women in theaters. Uh, and uh, people really liked it. Because here's the thing. What you don't realize is the chorus perfect for the little women girls because the part where it's like oh 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 of course the main uh march girl is joe so you go yeah. joe 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 beth megan amy <laughs> just four little ladies oh my floral God. shirts long skirts oh uh, 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 so jesus christ it's perfect that's it's right really there. good thank you very much so uh, man i feel like a woman shania twain that's my number two done uh okay and then my number one um is just like a throwback to my hometown i would be uh gloria stefan's everlasting love because that song is just like it's got a built-in intro come out in a full ass ball gown and that the end of that song she's just kind of like doing these riffs that are meant to be impressive but kind of sound painful and i feel like you really get just a chance of like a fucking idiot on stage trying to riff along gloria stefan and i'm from miami and i'm cuban i feel like she doesn't get enough love in the drag scene so i will be that one um and also my drag name in this fantasy is bay of pigs but b-a-e so <laughs> oh my god wow <laughs> that's gonna be tough to talk bay of pigs that's so impossible good. to talk yeah so i uh our listeners know how much i love kate bush Yes. And I, I have a, a very specific song in mind for this. Uh, so I, I would come out, I'd be wearing uh, lots of like fur. I'd be wearing uh, kind of a scarf over my head. I'd be, I'd be, I'd have a big bowl of borscht and I would do <laughs> babushka, of course, which I think is, is, is a, a very underrated Kate Bush song. It's a top three Kate Bush song for me. Uh, but I think it, it tells a story and it lends itself very well to uh, a drag performance. So. Okay. I'm inspired by Carlos's number three uh, because I grew up you know, listening to screamo and emo and, and new metal, obviously uh, I'm a big fan of all that kind of harder stuff. And I do think that when I have seen drag performances in the past, it does tend to be more pop leaning. So I do sure. think it is important you know, that we've got to recognize our roots and our, and our emo ways. And so I am actually, and I, I'm going to step this up. So I am going to do welcome to the black parade by my chemical oh. romance. So I'm obviously wearing, uh, I am wearing the like uh, marching band outfit that they wore on the cover, but the tits are cut out, uh, <laughs> obviously. So yeah. my boobs are just there. Yeah. They're, they're for everyone. And uh, I am, because we have to keep this authentic, and I know our Australian listeners will appreciate this, on Triple J, the Australian radio station, they do Like a Version, which is where a lot of famous artists cover these songs. And Alex Leahy is a queer uh, rock musician from Australia who is amazing, one of my favorites. And she covered Welcome to the Black Parade for Like a Version this year. So I will be doing the Alex Leahy version Beautiful. of Welcome to the Black Parade. Holy shit. Wow. So we're just, we're bringing it all full what a, circle. What a baby. great top three. A great top yeah. three. Yeah. Genuinely floored by both y'all's answers. If you don't think you have a little drag queen inside of you, I, I beg to fucking differ. That was incredible. And also my drag queen name, because my initials are JC, is the second coming. Oh, oh my God. God. I need to think of one for, oh no. Okay. 
Do you want to help me out here? I <laughs> you mean, you need a drag queen name. Yeah. Sixty percent foreskin. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. Sixty forty. Sixty forty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Because there's a famous Vancouver band called Fifty Four Forty. Yes. So you could be sixty forty as an homage to your Vancouver I like roots. That. There we go. And people don't have to know what it's about, but they could speculate. Yeah. Okay. That's like solid. That. Yeah. That was a great top yeah, three. The last very thing fun. Was uh, was I could be sort of like very like uh, coy, and I could be Macaulay Sulkin. Oh, now. Ooh. Okay, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. I have to say. So either uh, one of those. Macaulay Sulkin for me is that's right. That's right there. I like that. That's on site. Waiting for like, thank you for, for playing along with this premise, because this is, I really feel like fully taken care of for the rest of the week in terms of like queer art. <laughs> hey, listen, we are, uh, I, I, yeah, it was a really fun top three. I yeah. never even, I mean, I've seen lots of drag performances. I've never thought of myself in that space. So it's kind of fun yeah. to like, imagine. That. I love that. We, maybe we got to do a, a block party drag show. Yeah, maybe that'll be a new Patreon tier. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you so much, Carlos, for joining us in this episode. Before we go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, yeah, I have a YouTube <laughs> channel now. <laughs> uh, if you look up Carlos Maza on YouTube, um, I used to I made a bunch of videos at Vox, but now I'm going uh, fully independent, which is the scariest thing I've ever done, but also the maybe the coolest thing I've ever done. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in a year. Um, but yeah, if you want to see my face and hear me, I'm shit posting about politics. Um, and hopefully being fun and accessible, uh, you can find me there. Fantastic. And you are at gay wonk on Twitter. Yep. Excellent. So everybody can follow Carlos on YouTube and on Twitter. We appreciate you being here, Carlos. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. It is BP sweeps month. We hope you donate to the Patreon. We hope you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at blocked party pod. And we've got another huge guest lined up for next week. So we will see you back here then. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>